Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Isaiah is a book with many lovely passages revealing that Christ will come. But it also is a book with chapter after chapter of God's judgment and dealing with Israel's fallen and low condition. To understand this book is to understand our own experience of Christ. God's dealing is what ushers in the wonderful experience of Christ. Dick Taylor is here once again. And Dick, the view of Christ in Isaiah just seems to be expanding day by day, doesn't it? It sure does. Every chapter brings out another aspect of this all-inclusive, wonderful Christ. Dick, today we come to chapters 32 through 35 in Isaiah But for the introduction today, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. In one of the introductory messages in our life study of Isaiah, Witness Lee brought out some interesting parallels between the book of Isaiah and the Bible as a whole. Let's uh, join him now for just a moment on this same topic. In brief, the book of Isaiah is just of two portions. The first portion from chapter 1 to chapter 39. The uh, second portion is chapter 40 to chapter 66. He has 66 chapters. The Bible has 66 books. The first portion of Isaiah is 39 chapters that equal the Old Testament of uh, 39 books. And the second portion of Isaiah's there's 27 chapters, and the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible, is 27 books. The New Testament begins with John the Baptist, and the second part of Isaiah, in chapter 40, also begins with John the Baptist. It's quite interesting. Dick, this really is an interesting parallel, isn't it? It really is both in the number of chapters in Isaiah and the sections in Isaiah. It's exactly the same as the total Bible. To see 39 chapters covers one section of uh, Isaiah and it exactly parallels the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, is amazing. And then there's 27 books in the last part of the Bible, which is the New Testament. And the last section of Isaiah also has 27 chapters. Just to see Isaiah from this viewpoint in context of the whole Bible causes you just to appreciate this word is inspired by God. This is God's breathing, as is the entire divine scripture from Genesis to Revelation. 
Well, Dick, we've seen and are going to see again today that this book not only has a structural similarity to the whole Bible in terms of the numbers and how the chapters and books break down, but its content is to reveal Christ in God's economy and in God's move. Let's join Witness Lee for the first portion of our life study today. The divine revelation of this book is on God's economy. To have Christ as the centrality and universality of God's great move. And God's great move is just like a great wheel. And we know in a wheel you have firstly at the center the hub. Then you have at the circumference the rim. Then in between these two you have the spokes. So Christ is the centrality, the hub, and universality. That is the rim with all the spokes. So Christ is everything in God's mouth. The first part of this book is on God's chastisement on his dear people and punishment on the nations. All these have a purpose to uh, bring in a real turn of God's people. When I say we need a turn, I mean we need a realization that we must be fired by God. All the time, everybody on this earth, as one of the descendants of Adam, would think, well, anyhow, we have the God that we should know him. And after knowing him, we should do our best to worship him, to do his will, to please him, and to fulfill his heart desire. This is right, but by whom? By whom you fulfill God's purpose? By yourself? No. You have to be discharged. You have to be fired. Amen. Not by you, but by God. And today, he wants you to let him do it in you, with you, by you, and through you. Today, he wants you to do it by him. Our God in our daily living is Christ. Dick, to understand this book in its real significance, we have to see that fundamentally it's a book revealing God's economy in his move. The Bible uses the picture of a great wheel to illustrate his move. Review this thought for us, the move of the great wheel of God's economy with Christ as the hub. Well, the divine revelation in Isaiah concerns God's economy. To have Christ as the centrality and the universality of God's great move. God's great move is like a great wheel. And I like with a great wheel, you've got a hub, you've got a rim, and you've got spokes. Christ is the centrality, the hub, and the universality, the spokes with the rim, in God's move. And that is even the dispensing of himself. God is wanting to get a group of people that express him. And he does this. His move through the ages is really the move of himself in his dispensing into his people to make them 
his expression, and his counterpart. And it's really wonderful to see that Christ is everything in God's move. And in these chapters, we see God's loving chastisement of his people and his punishment of the nations was all for this purpose. That was to uh, fire everybody, to cause everyone to resign, and to realize no one can fulfill God's economy And Christ is the unique replacement for everyone, since he's everything from center to circumference. So the chastisement and the punishment is just to bring everybody to this realization. We can't fulfill God's economy. We can't fulfill God's heart's desire. Only Christ, that is the practical God, can fulfill God's economy. That is to gain an expression of himself. So it's really wonderful to see the great wheel of God's economy with Christ as everything. Dick, this is a revolutionary concept. As Christians, of course, we all accept that we need to be fired from sinning. But what he's saying here is that we really need to be fired from even our efforts to be a good Christian, to be a proper human being. Often, every day, I try to be a good Christian, but this word reminds us, you need to be fired. Not only that, you need to resign and let Christ, who is everything in God's economy, be everything. We're going to see something very practical related to God in our experience in this coming section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The hard thing for us Christians to overcome is our temper. We lose our temper. The hardest enemy is the little temper. We are such a big person. We are not a small ant. Why couldn't we overcome our temper? None among us can overcome it. I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried, tried, many, many years. Eventually I found out, foolish man. God never wants you to overcome your temper. You have to resign from this post. You have to resign. You have to give up. To have a turn. That never tries to overcome your temper. Then you may say, we just lose our temper. Then what should you do? Well, let Christ in. Let Christ be the temper overcomer. I do believe many among you are still thinking how to overcome your temper. Maybe you do have a desire. My, from now on, after this, I will never lose my temper. (laughs) To lose temper to the husband is a pitiful shame to a lady. But nearly every day you commit a small sin. You lose your temper. So nice, very nice. I saw your nice manner to me and to your husband just at the dining table. But right away you turn to the kitchen and your husband came to you and asked you for something right away. You lost your temper. You hate yourself. What? What is this? It's ugly for a nice lady, wife, to lose her temper. I like to be a wife. So some may say, never losing my temper. Some of you are here like this. But I must tell you, you are wrong. You must have a turn. Resign from the post 
of overcoming of temper. You just resign, give stuff. There's no need for the Lord to fire you. You fire yourself. <laughs> you just discharge yourself. Have a turn. What the real spiritual turn means is this. Just to resign from the position trying to be a proper human being. You just resign to have such a turn. Then you would ask me, what shall you do? What shall you do? You don't do anything. So we all have to realize Isaiah's logic is that we all have to resign from what we want to be. Dick, our brother, Witness Lee, was very wise, and particularly here, I think, in bringing up this matter of temper to make his point. Uh, We've worked very hard, Dick, probably you and I and our listeners as well, in overcoming maybe some of the big things in our life that plagued us. But who of us has overcome such a little thing as our temper? Dick, what is the only solution for us to be able to overcome something as intricate in our being and as plaguing as temper? You said it right. Our brother said it right. Who can overcome their temper? This is a real plague. Sometimes we end up in Romans chapter 7. Now I am going to be good. My wife says the wrong thing. I will not lose my temper. But the next time it happens, right away you lose it. And it's just like you have made up your mind to be good. And what happens? There's another law called the law of sin and death in your flesh that just comes in and just takes you over, indicating again that nobody can fulfill God's economy except the wonderful Jesus Christ. So the whole point here is that the solution to overcome our temper is to realize God doesn't want you to overcome your temper by yourself. Yes, we do need to overcome our temper, but who's doing it? If it's just you, believe me, you will be a grand failure. In fact, you will lose your temper worse than ever if you just do your best to be a good human being who does not lose his temper. You have missed the center of God's economy, and actually you have offended God. Because God's desire is to dispense himself in his son into you to be everything. And isn't it wonderful to realize that Christ, that God-man Jesus Christ, in 33 and a half years of human living, never, ever once lost his temper. But he lived out a perfect life, displaying God in all of his human virtues. God's intention is that we would let Christ in. Our brother uses this phrase, let Christ in. You know, it says in uh, Revelation 3, the Lord was knocking on the door of the church in Laodicea, and basically, he's just saying, let me in. You can't overcome. I'm the unique overcomer. I'm the hub. I'm the spokes. I'm the rim. I'm everything in God's economy. Just let me in. Of course, one of the best ways to let him in It's just to turn to him and say, Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord, I let you in. Lord, I love you. As you exercise to call on his name in such a joyful way, opening your being to him, then there's an automatic resigning. And you enjoy God's firing you from trying to be a good Christian. And you enjoy Christ coming in as the unique replacement 
We've all worked on this temper problem, and if you are successful, then you have another problem. You become proud. So if it's not one problem, it's another problem. And the only solution to this pollution is the all-inclusive Christ. May we let him in. I love this logic in Isaiah because basically he's saying by the defeat of all these kings, the slaughtering of everyone, he's just saying, God fires everyone. So why not just resign? And the ultimate logic here is, we all have to resign from what we want to be and just let Christ be who he really is. So he's the unique overcomer. What a joy that in this book of the Old Testament, we would be brought to such a Christ who could be our replacement and the only one who can live the Christian life for us. Christ in our daily living, even related to this matter of our overcoming and dealing with our temper. So our need is let him in at any cost, open up our being. Then he's able to fulfill God's economy perfectly. It's so good that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's like Colossians 1.27 says, Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in Christ who is in us. He's the hope of God being expressed. Dick, I wonder who in reading the Old Testament has never had the thought of why are all of these accounts of all of these slaughterings and all of this judgment and all it goes seems to go on and on. It's really God firing everyone, making room for Christ. It's tremendous to see this. It really is a window to unlock uh, so many of the things that I think have perplexed most of us that have read the Old Testament and uh, wondered and daydreamed about what does all this mean? This is just God in his economy and the great wheel of his move, getting everyone out of the way so there's room for Christ to come forth. His firing of everyone really allows Christ to come in to be everything. He's the only one that can live out this God-man living. What a view from the Old Testament as far as our experience of Christ being unlocked. Dick, we're going to end on a high point today. Let's go back to Witness Lee, a very enjoyable, very short section. We come to chapter 32. From chapter 32 to 35, in this section, after all the hard people got fired. In other words, all the kings got fired. Now, here's a king. Here's a king. And this king is Christ. Jehovah destroyed all the nations. For what? For Christ to be the king. <laughs> God did hire you to be a king, but you didn't do well. So you got fired. And this is for what? Well, for what? For the purpose that Christ could be the king as my replacement. For Christ to be the king, to bring in the restoration for Israel. Okay? Draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples, that the earth and all that fills it here, the world and all that springs forth from it, all these have to hear what the Lord now is going to speak. For Jehovah's indignation is upon all the nations, and his wrath is upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has delivered them into the slaughter. 
That means he is practicing his third job to fare everyone. God is faring everything on this earth. He's faring the good man, he's faring the bad man, he's faring the overcomer, he's faring the defeated one. He's faring the un-Christians, non-Christians, he's faring the Christians. This is what Isaiah means. The slaughter. Everything is in the slaughter. God fares the entire world. Then the kingdom comes. In the kingdom, Christ replaces everybody. After all the destructions, after all the faring, everybody got fired. Then people say, who is going to reign? Who is going to rule? Okay, here is the king. Christ will be that king. And many of his lovers will be the rulers. Christ will be such a king. On the one hand, ruling. On the other hand, overshadowing. So under him, there's righteousness. And under him, there is all kind of protection and enjoyment. This is a picture Isaiah wrote concerning the millennial kingdom. Christ will be there just like this, a king and an overshadowing. When Christ rules over the earth, righteousness will be there. And righteousness works out peace, quietness, and confidence, trust, surety. Today on this earth, no quietness, no surety. Look upon them, and the ransomed of Jehovah will return and will come to them with a ringing shout. And eternal joy will be upon their heads, and they will lay hold on gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will free away. Well, Brother Dick, when all the kings have been duly fired and the real king ushered in, everything changes. The redeemed ones return to Zion with shouting, singing, and everlasting joy. Dick, how about us? How do we get fired along with all these kings? It sounds easy, but we generally don't give up that easy, do we? That's true. Well, number one is to just see the truth of this word that's being spoken to us today and to realize that in God's eyes and according to his speaking, we have already been fired, so just resign. And the best way to resign is to turn away from yourself and to the living Christ, who's not only the center of God's economy, but he's also the life-giving spirit who's living right within our spirit. And let him be everything in our life. Our need, according to the book of Isaiah, since God fires everyone, is to enjoy and experience his all-inclusive son. In the New Testament, time after time, when the, the Bible was open, like in Luke 24, even Jesus to the two disciples, he expounded all the things in the Old Testament concerning himself. It was just a book about this wonderful person. Today, we're seeing Isaiah is a book about this Christ, who's everything in God's great move. And this Christ, practically, is the life-giving spirit who's now right within our spirit. So what do we need to do? 
to uh, go along with this matter of God firing us and cooperate with him so that Christ could be our replacement, we need to exercise our spirit. When you exercise your spirit, all the kings get fired. You enjoy the real king, who is the replacement of all the false kings. And we can exercise our spirit in many ways, even while we're on this broadcast speaking, answering questions, fellowshipping, Chris, we're exercising our spirit, speaking about this wonderful Christ. I've demonstrated during this uh, time that the Lord desires us to call on him and express our love for him. And Isaiah many times says we should say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I, I just encourage you, if you're in your car driving along, just praise the Lord. You'll enjoy a real saving, even from your temper, related to that guy that just cut you off. To exercise our spirit involves our opening our being to him, our calling on him, our loving him, our turning to him, and especially verbalizing the Lord's dear name. One of the best ways to exercise our spirit is to sing. And this message ends with some triumphant singing that is right from the book of Isaiah at the end of this chapter 35. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing. We thought you'd enjoy that chorus of Witness Lee with a crowd of about 1,600 with Dick Taylor in the front row and many of us singing along in 1990 as we enjoyed together at the conclusion of this marvelous message, Isaiah 3510 in song, Joyfully to the Lord. The printed Life Study message of Isaiah is included in Volume 1 of the Life Study of Isaiah. If you'll contact us at our toll-free number, we'll get it off to you right away. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Our thanks today to Dick Taylor for joining us. We'll be back with another Life Study from the Book of Isaiah and more sharing from Witness Lee and more of our fellowship. For Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Whether you're hearing this program via radio, online, or as a podcast, you'll find hundreds of audio studies just like this one by visiting our website, lsmradio.com. 
We also hope you'll email us with your questions or comments, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.